The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper here on the Business Elevation Show and an absolute pleasure to be back with you again uh, with another uh, exciting guest and a great topic uh, today. I'm going to be talking with Danny Innie. We're going to talk about Teach and Grow Rich, share your knowledge to create global impact, freedom and wealth. Uh, But before I introduce you to Danny, I'd like to say a huge thank you to my guest last week, uh, Nikki Bonfante. Uh, Nikki was talking to me about trusted selling and how to come across some principles to come across in a when you sell in a very high trust uh, way. Um, I think that selling sometimes gets negative press and sometimes people feel uh, that selling is not a good thing, but actually um, selling does uh, make your business and uh, often the world go round. So we need to be good at it and feel good about it. So thank you, Nikki. So today we're not talking about Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, but Teach and Grow Rich. And I thought this was a really great subject for all those people out there who are thinking about creating educational programs online, or maybe you're already creating ed- educational programs and you want some tips from someone who does it well uh, on how to do it even better. Got to also be honest, being a bit selfish on this one as well, I'm interested in picking up a few tips here today as well. Um, and people often ask me as well, how do you best um, share your knowledge? How do you create global impact and and generate more freedom for yourself if you're an entrepreneur and greater wealth by doing this. My guest today, Danny Innie, knows exactly how to do this. Uh, Danny is the founder of Miracy, host of the Business Reimagined podcast, best-selling author of multiple books, including Engagement from Scratch and The Audience Revolution. He's creator of the acclaimed Audience Business Masterclass and Course Builders Laboratory training programs, which have together graduated over 5,000 value-driven online entrepreneurs. Lives in a beautiful part of the world in Montreal in Canada uh, with um, his wonderful wife and business partner, Bumi, and their two children, Priya and Mika. Uh, So a huge welcome today to my guest, Danny Innie. Thank you very much, Chris. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you. You're you're most welcome. And... uh, so how, how is, what's life like in Montreal? Somewhere I've never been before, but uh, I do like Canada. Um, it's great. You know, Montreal is, in a lot of ways, kind of the best of North America and the best of Europe. Um, it's kind of this, like, you know, it's right on the edge. It's, it's, it's a port town. And it's got, you know, it, it's got a very American feel from a European standpoint, but a very European standpoint from, uh, European feeling from an American standpoint. So, kind of blends the best of both worlds, and I, I love it here. Excellent, and uh, congratulations, I believe, in order, because you've recently had a second child, Mika. Yeah, uh, Mika, actually. Um, Mika, sorry. Yeah, he's, uh, he's just a few months old now, so I'm, I'm coming to you from a sleep-deprived haze. <laughs> I bet you are. I bet you are, yeah. In the U- UK, we'd probably say Mika, so that's where we're at. UK, UK, US, uh, point, point of difference. Uh, so uh, I bet you are. So uh, quite hard when you have young ones, isn't it? Getting that full night's sleep and, and concentrating. But hey, you, you're moving things forward quickly by the sounds of things anyway. Uh, it's, uh, you know, my friend Guy Kawasaki likes to describe this sort of thing as a high quality problem. So it, it is a high quality problem. <laughs> <laughs> so t- tell me a, a bit, I'm no... Sort of in your background, there are things like um, you know martial arts, and uh, you've also you know had some real learnings through developing some of these. But creating things like products online, you know, I mentioned martial arts there because there's a you know a discipline in doing these sorts of things. And I I kind of wonder you know where the the inspiration and where the 
desire and interest uh, for creating products that you know sell well uh, online uh, and I'm sure sometimes you know offline as well um, where did that come from where does it come from in your background uh, you know it's really interesting I'm uh, I'm a high school dropout so I quit school when I was 15 because I was bored and I started my first business and it's ironic because a lot of my businesses have been in the world of education. I, I believe very strongly in the importance and value of education. I just don't think it's done very well in most formal contexts. Um, and one of my, you know, one of my first teaching experiences was actually in the world of martial arts. I, I started doing martial arts when I was a teenager, and totally fell in love with it. And it, it kind of became, you know, in a lot of ways, the dojo was almost a second home to me. And I was there all the time and I quickly kind of transitioned into not just training but teaching the, the nature of a dojo model is that you learn from people who are ahead of you and you teach people who are less experienced and there was something just magical but you you take I guess the best way I can explain it is that teaching is it's it's kind of the best we get as people to telepathy right you're taking an idea and a competence from your head and putting it into somebody else's head mm. that's just kind of cool Mm. And, and I guess with you know martial arts, you you take a few knocks along the way. Uh, I don't know what what sort of martial arts do you do? Is it? Uh, my background is in jujitsu, so kind of a mix of of you know punching, kicking, and throwing, grappling, wrestling, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, it's you know I, I heard it described once. Um, you know, in order to avoid getting beaten up once on the street, you know, you basically commit to getting beaten up twice a week on the mat for years and years. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, there's some truth to that in the sense that, you know, if the only reason you're doing this training is to prepare for some, you know, eventual assault situation that may never come. And that frankly, you know, it doesn't matter how experienced you are, you should be avoiding anyway. Um, it kind of misses the point. That's not what martial arts are about. They're, they're, a physical practice through which you learn a lot of non-physical things. Um, it's really about confidence and comfort in your own skin. It's about discipline, which is a concept I think a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people think discipline is about kind of having the willpower to force yourself to do something you don't want to do. And I don't think that's the way it is at all. In, in my experience, discipline is about having the presence of mind to choose what you want over what you happen to feel like in the moment. Yes. Um, and a lot of those lessons have, you know, th that's kind of what's carried me in a lot of my work. That sounds a little bit like the uh, the title for my book, The Power to Get Things Done, whether you feel like it or not. Mm -hmm. so exactly. Kind of uh, guide, really. And I mentioned the um, those, you must have taken a few knocks, because I know that uh, when you first set up a business in this area, it was called, it was called Maestro Reading, uh, and then you moved on to, engagement from, from from scratch but with maestro reading uh, you took uh, you took one or two knocks with with producing that uh, learnings which uh, may have been quite painful at the time but you you built on that tell us a bit about that what happened yeah sure so you know maestro reading was my first attempt at a kind of bigger style company it was a startup um and we had some good early successes. We were building software. It teaches kids how to read. And, you know, we were able to raise a bunch of money. We brought in, you know, several hundred thousand dollars from investors. We built a prototype. The experts thought it was great. The kids loved it. Um, really good early traction. But, you know, what it really boiled down to is that I was a young and inexperienced CEO in what in hindsight is an incredibly complicated industry. And the timing was exactly wrong. This was late 2007, early 2008. So right before the markets crashed. And, you know, the, 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 the coming together of all those factors just tore the company apart. It disintegrated all around me. And I wasn't comfortable with, um, you know, my friends and family, because these were my investors largely, just telling them their money was gone. So I took a lot of those losses on myself personally. Um, so I walked away from that experience with about a quarter of a million dollars in personal debt. And, you know, there's the financial setback, but th th there's also a very personal emotional side to it because as an entrepreneur, you invest so much of yourself and your identity into the project or business you're building. And when a company falls apart like that, it, it's a lot like going through a really rough breakup. You know, it's just, it's, it's kind of devastating and you're not in a, you're not ready to get out there and start dating again right away. You know, you kind of need to lick your wounds and 
take it easy. And this is what was so interesting. It was that um, the business that I then started, Firepool Marketing, that I rebranded as Miracy, it's the business I still run today. The reason I chose that business is that it was something that, yes, I saw a need for and I saw demand and all that, but it was also low commitment. I didn't have to raise money. I could do it on the side. There was The, the stakes did not feel that high. In a lot of ways, it was my rebound kind of business. Um, but it just turned out to be exactly the right thing for me and the, the best place for me to dedicate my energies and my efforts. And you know that kind of turned into, well, at least for now, my life's work. Excellent. And would you would you ever go back to a, a you know a, a business and probably more scale and more people again, or have you, have you once uh, bitten twice shy? Um, no, I mean my, the business I'm running now is much larger in scale than anything I've is built it? in the past. Right. Um, you know, Maestro Reading at its heyday was maybe we were seven or eight people, and now I have twenty five people working for me. And and you know, this is I, I see a lot of growth in the future because. I'm fortunate to work with a lot of great people who are very good at creating great outcomes for the people we work with. So, you know, in the, we've achieved a certain measure of success, but in the grand scheme of success that exists to be had and impact that exists to be created, you know, we've just begun to scratch the surface. Mm. Uh, but even so, with, with I, I've run a set up and run a, a business with 25 people myself in the in the past, and you know, it does when when you're you know you're managing people and people are all you know hooked into your vision you know there is some responsibility in, involved with doing that because uh, you're an important person in the those, those sort of lives uh, you know how does your martial arts help you with that because you whenever there's whenever there's a people there's always a few few challenges it's not always easy it's not always tidy um you know, that's a really interesting question. And, and there have certainly been, you know, it's not always unicorns and rainbows. Like, you know, sometimes it's it's better and sometimes it's not quite as good. Um, I don't know if this is something I took away from martial arts specifically, but I've always had a fascination with culture and, and building an organization with a culture that aligns around values that are important to me has always been important. And Kind of a byproduct of that is that, you know, when someone stops fitting in, it creates friction. It becomes challenging, but, you know, it becomes very clear very quickly that either they have to go or they just decide that they they don't want to stick around anymore. It, it kind of acts as a filtering mechanism, right? It's if if you don't live and breathe the values, then then it kind of becomes. I mean, toxic is the wrong word, especially when describing a workforce, but it becomes just not, it very clearly isn't a fit. And so, I mean, there have been cases that have been challenging and you navigate each situation in the moment. Um, and I think, I'm sure there is a martial arts takeaway from that because it's all about being in the moment. You know, the, the most important yeah. challenges in life you can't plan for. Um, and it's all about showing up and being present as the best self that you can. Um but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I've not done a great job of answering your question, but I've kind of talked in circles a little bit. <laughs> right. So let's let's move on then. Let's talk about Teach and Grow Rich. Why uh, why Teach and Grow Rich? Why this book? We've got about three minutes to a commercial break, by the way. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I've been in this online world teaching people how to build online businesses for a number of years. And, um, you know, my pattern has been you know, developing a strategy, implementing it, seeing it work for my business, people noticing and then asking me to teach them how to do what I did. And I kind of did that over and over again. And after doing that a number of times, I started to be approached by people who said, you know, I've taken a whole bunch of courses online. And in many cases, I didn't get the results I was hoping for. And with your courses, I did. Can you teach me how to do that? Can you teach me how to build courses and sell them and create value and outcomes for people? And since, again, this was coming from the market, from the audience, and since I felt I had something meaningful to say because, you know, of my background working in various education companies and, and in the space, I said, yeah, sure. And as I started embarking on this journey, which has really become the core focus of our business these days, I, I just saw that there was a perspective missing in the marketplace. And it wasn't, uh, you know, it was kind of like a how-to, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? There's a lot of like, you know, follow step one, step two, step three. There, there wasn't a macro level picture of, well, what is happening in the marketplace? Where are the opportunities? What are driving them? 
And so I wrote all that up and it was, it was essentially a manifesto. It was me kind of, you know, explaining how I saw things. And I was very uncomfortable publishing it because it was the first thing I created that was not very kind of, you know, action oriented and how to, but I published that in 2015. It was about 13,000 words, which is, you know, quite short. And that was the first edition of Teach and Grow Rich. And to my partial surprise and gratification, it, it did very well. It was very well received. Um, tens of thousands of people read it. Um, it brought a lot of people to us to help them uh, build and, and sell and grow their courses. A lot more people um, did it just following the, the, the ideas in the book, did it on their own. And over the last couple of years, there have been developments in the marketplace. I've gotten to work with thousands of course creators and just learn from their experiences. And I found that there was just a lot to add to the book. There was a lot of context. There was a lot of new developments. There was a lot of how-to and case studies. And it was time. So I, I spent the time to, to revise and update the book. And you know, it's not a cosmetic revision. It's not the first edition with a new foreword or something. It's, you know, I said the first edition was 13,000 words. The second is 43,000. So it's it's a multiple of the length. And, and I've really done the best I can to make this the best book on this topic that, that, that a lot of people really want and need to learn about. Excellent. Well, we're going to find out, you mentioned some of the ideas uh, from the book, uh, earlier on, you used that sort of phrase. So after the break, let's uh, get into some of the ideas from the book and uh, some of the key premises. And also then we'll start to move a bit in, into the how. So we'll be back with everybody in just a couple of minutes. Do join us again soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Danny Any, and we're talking about Teach and Grow Rich. And uh, Danny, I wonder if you could just share with me, just in the audience, how uh, quickly you you identify a real sort of difference between you know publishing and an educational um, product. So I know you're very much into education. Uh, I'm interested in you just if you could just share a little bit of what you see as the distinction uh, for people. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is really a core idea that drives a lot of the opportunity that is emerging in 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 the past few years and is going to grow dramatically in the coming years. So there, when it comes to content, when it comes to using content to deliver information, ideas, inspiration online, they're, they're kind of two business models. One is the paradigm of publishing or information, and the other is education. And they're both valuable. They're both important. They're just different. So let's use the real world to kind of get our heads around this. The real world analog for information is a book in a bookstore, right? You walk into a bookstore, you find the book that you want that, that purports to have the information you're looking for. You go to the register, you pay for it, and typically not very much because information is generally free or cheap. You buy that book, and once you've paid for it, nobody owes you anything, right? You've gotten what you what you paid for. And you know, the publisher, the bookstore owner, the author, what they what they have committed to you has already been delivered. You've got the book, what you do with it is totally up to you. Now let's compare that with education. And the analog for that is a university course. You can't buy a diploma the way you can buy a book, 
What you can buy is the opportunity to earn one. So you register for a course, and typically that costs quite a lot more money than buying a book because it takes a lot more to create good education, and good education delivers a lot more than the book would. You sign up for that course, and the key difference is the responsibility for your success is not solely yours. Yes, you bear a responsibility, but so does your teacher. Right? The pursuit of your success as a teacher is really done in partnership between the teacher and the student. And that's the key difference. You know, inf- It's not that information is about text and education is about video. Both of these things can show up in all different formats and media. What it really comes down to is who is responsible for the success of the student. Now, again, both of these are important, right? Information, published content can do a lot of things. It can expose us to new ideas. It can broaden our horizons. It can inspire us. It can also give us knowledge to integrate into our existing competencies. What it's not good at is taking us from a certain level of ability and bringing us up to a higher level. That kind of transformation takes education, real education, And there is an interactivity, there is a support, there is a creation of an experience that leads to that transformation that it takes to get there. Now, education is premium, it's expensive, and it's valuable. Information, much less so. Information is typically cheap or free. There is value to both. The problems emerge when we try to earn a premium, sell information at a premium when it's just not It's not justified. And that's where you see a lot of disruption happening in the market with a lot of these, you know, quote unquote courses that are really just a bunch of videos and and audios and text in a membership site where people seek to charge premium prices and the market is very quickly coming to a point where it's just not having it anymore. So so what what you say people, it's not not just having it anymore. What what is the solution to that then? Well, the solution is to... You know, you either make a decision, right? You, you either decide that, well, what I'm selling is information and I'm going to charge something reasonable for that. And if you want to know what the market sees as a reasonable price for information, look at the biggest marketplace in the world, right? If you want to know what an ebook is worth, go on Kindle because Kindle is the biggest marketplace for that. The biggest marketplace for courses that are information without support is Udemy. And the cap for courses at Udemy is $200 and many of them are much less. So in that range, you're totally fine. You will run the risk. You will run the challenge of there's ever more content, ever more information. It's harder and harder to stand out. You know, there's a company called Masterclass that came onto the scene recently, and it works with celebrities to create courses about their expertise. So you can, for example, take an acting class from, quote unquote, Dustin Hoffman. You can take a screenwriting class from Aaron Sorkin, who wrote The West Wing and uh, A Few Good Men and all these movies. Now, it's not an educational experience. It's information, right? When I sign up for Aaron Sorkin's screenwriting masterclass, I have no actual connection to Aaron Sorkin. I just have a bunch of videos of him, which are interesting, fascinating, but they they can inspire. They can open my eyes. They don't create a transformation the way being in person in a class, doing the work, getting feedback, et cetera, would. Now, if you're looking to sell information, that's challenging because how can – you know, most of us compete with someone like Aaron Sorkin or Dustin Hoffman or Serena Williams. But people who are creating information at a very high level, like Aaron Sorkin and Dustin Hoffman, etc., they're typically not interested in or willing to invest the time and energy to create a true educational experience. And so for entrepreneurs who want to go up market and say, I will, you know, maybe produce some information for marketing purposes, but you know, this is not what my business is about. I'm going to focus on providing real education. They're going to find that, A, the market is wide open and demand is growing because a lot of people are discovering that courses online exist, receiving that informational experience and saying, well, I want to go deeper. Where can I go for that? Got you. Got you. So so you help, you help people, do you, not just provide or produce this content perhaps online, but also you know, linking that in potentially with, you know, face-to-face events or face-to-face educational experiences is... Well, it could, it could be, it could take any number of different formats, right? It could involve, you know, meeting people in person. It might not. It might involve video conferencing. It might involve working with a coach. It might just involve having someone that you can email when you have questions. Here's the real question people need to ask themselves. And most people are not very honest with themselves about this. If you look at all the students who are going to go through your program, 
you can divide them into three groups. They're the students who are going to be successful no matter what. Right? They have so much going from the, for them. They're so driven. They have such a great background. They're so committed. It doesn't matter how, how good or terrible your course might be. They will be successful. So let's, let's not focus on them. You've also got the group of students that will never be successful no matter what. You could get on a plane, fly to their house, sit down in their living room, go through all the material with them. They will still never take action because yes. that's just they're never going to do it. So again, let's not focus on them. But then there's the majority of your students where you can influence their likelihood of outcome. And the question you want to ask yourself is, honestly, are the majority of people signing up for this program able to get to the finish line that they care about in a meaningful way? If, if your graduation rates are terrible, if your success rates are terrible, that's a problem. And so the level of support, the level of interactivity that you want to provide, it's not about meeting any particular you know, objective, uh, I should say subjective bar. It's really about putting on the table whatever support and infrastructure it will take to get people to the finish line, to the outcome that you're actually promising them. Yes, I see. I see. And that might be a, a mixture of a mixture of online information and content, but also access to you. Um, yeah, you and know, it's very much a function of the complexity of your subject matter. Yes. So, so yes. as a case in point, you know, I have two courses that my company sells. One is our course builders laboratory. It teaches people how to build and sell courses, which is a complex subject matter. And so every student in the program gets a dedicated coach on my team to make sure they're working through the program, get answers to their questions, etc. Another program that we teach is called standout guest posting. It teaches people how to write great blog posts and get them published on major sites. The subject matter is just a lot simpler. It's just not that complicated. And so there's no coaching in that program. We just have, you know, people can email questions and get answers, and that's enough with that subject matter. So it's really about what is the level of support that it will take in order to get them there. And, and a big part of doing that in a cost-effective way is optimizing the course to the point where a lot of the, the quote-unquote knucklehead questions don't need to come up because the course has been optimized for them to, you know, already be answered. Got you. Yeah, that makes a, makes a huge amount of success. And um, you, you, you describe some different types of entrepreneurs when it comes to education. Uh, do you need to know what you're, who, you know, what you're like as an entrepreneur before you decide on the angle that you take to the development of educational products? Um, it's helpful to. It isn't critically necessary. The reason why we developed, so we have a, a profile system with four different profiles of successful course creators. And the reason we developed that is, you know, I've worked with thousands of people who've built and sold courses very successfully. And often when people approach me for the first time, they come from a place of concern. It's like, you know, I don't know if I have the credibility. I don't know if I have the credentials. I don't know if I have the experience or expertise or the teaching ability or the marketing platform. And, you know, the list of concerns goes on. People kind of come from a place of like, I don't know if I can do this. And I wanted to, first of all, give them the confidence to believe they can when it's warranted. And also, you know, if they legitimately can't, I'd hate to take them down a path that wouldn't lead to their success. And so we did some analysis of the data of all of our successful students to see who is successful and how are they successful. And what we found is that there are four distinct profiles of successful online course creators. And these profiles describe everyone. Like nobody that I've met doesn't fall into at least one of these profiles. And that's an important message. You know, just about anybody who wants to do this can. And yes, the path is a little bit different. So... Um, shall, do you want me to talk through what the profiles are? Oh, just uh, yeah, quickly, if you can. Yeah, of course. So here's what it boils down to at a really high level. There are two dimensions. The first dimension is relative degree of expertise. You know, are you the world's leading authority in your field doing this for decades and decades? Or are you relatively new to this? You only have a couple years of experience. The other dimension is degree of monetization. So are you already making a lot of money from your expertise? or not really. So if, if you have a high degree of expertise and you're already monetizing it well, you're the professional, right? That's your high paid consultant, speaker, that sort of thing. And often what they're looking to do with the course is diversify their revenue, reach more people because there are only so many hours in the day. If your expertise is high, but you're not monetizing it substantially, that's the expert profile. That is your university professor, your um, blogger, your, your authority on a field who's not necessarily 
generating a great income from it. And what they're looking to, to do is spend more time and energy on their passion so that they can make more money doing so. Now, if your expertise is relatively speaking lower, maybe you've only known your field for a few years, but you are getting paid. That's your journeyman. That's someone who's probably working in the field, maybe um, a professional in their area. They're not the world's leading authority, but they're doing it every day and they're doing it successfully. And they're looking to bolster their income and their real world on the ground experience is very valuable to prospective students. And if their expertise and monetization is low, that's your insider. That's someone who's been in a field um, for a couple of years and has an inside perspective that others don't. So, for example, someone who's passionate about a topic, someone who has a hobby or, or a side project that they just love and would fall into that category. Um, and as you can see, that these four profiles describe, at least one of these profiles will describe just about anyone. Um, the point being that, you know, anyone who wants to do this can. Of course, the path to, to the mountaintop is a little bit different. But there is a path that works for all of those profiles. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how, how do you best structure a program and maybe collaborate with others around the creation of it? Yeah, so the, the very first thing you need to get clear on is what is the scope of what you're teaching? And the mistake most people make is going way too broad. It's very rare that I work with someone who their vision for what their course will be is just too narrow and there's not enough being delivered. Usually it's the opposite. Yeah. And and the psychology there is interesting because, you know, we're doing something for the first time. We're creating this brand new course. And, and whenever you step out of your comfort zone, there is some insecurity there. And so part of people's minds, whether it's conscious or, or, or unconscious, is looking at what can I add to this course? How can I create this in a way that is robust enough that I can point to it and say, well, yes, it's worth it. Yes, it's good enough. Mm. They're looking to kind of prove that point. And it's understandable, but that takes their focus away from what is actually best for their students. What is best for their students is the opposite. It's what is the least that I can teach that will still get the outcome that people care about. Yes. Yes. So, okay, so you think you 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 consider the scope and 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 the content you say is is uh, is driven. Uh, based on the least. Now you mentioned there with your, the the book uh, Teach and Grow Rich that you started off with thirteen thousand uh, page uh, words. So you're now at forty three thousand. Uh, yeah, it very very much followed that same process. You know, I put yeah, out there what I thought was critical for people to know and understand, and I, I put it out there, and it was well received. And I learned from the feedback, and I learned from the questions. What more do people want? If if I had written forty three thousand words from the start, the challenge is that it might not have been the right forty three thousand words. Yes, yes. So so by by providing the the core and and I guess the providing the best the best content that's most useful and not diluting it, um, then you were able to kind of pilot it. Uh, in that's some exactly way. right. Doesn't yeah. Um, we'll talk about that more just after the break because we're now coming to the end of this uh, segment and I'd be kind of interested to you, know, you, you produced a book to talk about an online an online um, book I think you've got hard copies too but you know that maybe the the scope of some of these programs um, you know use of technology video all of that kind of stuff and some top tips on marketing them as well so we're we'll back with you again in just a couple of minutes Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Uh, so before the break, uh, we were talking about, uh, Danny, about you know keeping the focus, getting sure about your scope and keeping the focus on, you know, on the least I can teach to get the desired outcome. And I'm just wondering, um, I'd like to chat about, you know, how do you enroll people and, uh, and um, you know, what, when's the product kind of finished and that sort of thing. But I'd just like to get a sense of maybe the kind of options that people have got to maybe uh, help uh, meet the needs of that customer. Are we talking about, you know, PDFs? Are we talking about, you know, online programs with videos, you know, interactivity? I don't know. Could you just maybe help me understand that kind of range of options? Yeah, absolutely. So, the range of options spans just about anything you can imagine, right? It, it can be text, it can be audio, it can be video, it can be live delivery of some kind, it can be in-person or it can be remote. It can be some combination of all of, all of the above. The two things that I want people to think about is, first of all, not what are all the options that I could choose from, but rather what would be the best way to deliver the outcomes you're promising in your course, Right? Yes. When, when somebody signs up to learn something, what is the best way to help them learn it? Do they just need to see it and then practice? Do they need to workshop with someone? Is it something they can hear and then think about and understand? Or do they need a visual demonstration? Would it be helpful for them to have diagrams and that would imply writing and images rather than audio or even video? You want the delivery to always be based on what is the best fit for the subject matter. Now, that said, that's all about what the course will eventually be. The first time you deliver it, my strong bias is to lean towards delivering it live. You don't want to create videos and audios and membership sites and all this stuff in advance, not just because it's a lot of work before you validated that you're on the right track, but also because let's say you enroll 30 students and you're teaching something. If you're teaching it live, whether it's in person or on a video conferencing platform of some kind, you can see their faces. You can hear their voice when they ask questions. And if they're not getting it, you will get that very quickly. You'll, you'll understand that pretty quickly and you can pivot what you're doing. If 30 people watch a video and they're not understanding it, the only feedback you're going to have is that maybe less people are watching the next video, except that you don't know what your baseline was going to be. And so you, you have no way of assessing. And so it's really important to get that feedback in real time. And, and the upside of that is, if you're teaching something that you already have a degree of expertise in, which you should, I mean, you can't teach something you don't know, the amount of preparation you need in order to just show up and teach and talk about something you already know is a lot lower. And I don't like it when people invest a lot of time and energy preparing a course before delivering it, because often as they begin to deliver it, they learn that their assumptions about what their audience already knows and needs are not completely correct. And so your plans have to change. So I like creating a high level outline and then investing the time right in the lead up to the course and being present for your students so that you can evolve it in real time to create create the best experience for the people who are showing up. Yeah, I think you do learn an awful lot when you do deliver that face to face and, and you hear the the kind of questions that are coming back and the kind of experiences people have got and that can, you know, can shape, can't it, the the structure of what you do significantly Absolutely. yeah so actually you don't need to have you, you need to have delivered it but you don't need to have you know, the whole thing ready and and prepared you you you, you flex it you try it you, you pilot it um after you've enrolled some people on it and then you you then use that information to create a better product and understand you know, that that focus that you've said on the the least you need to produce to ensure people get the result absolutely excellent so what um so, so what kind of recommendations do you have to either put people in the room uh, in that pilot um, and also potentially when you've got you've done your pilot and you have got your product um, sort of structured, uh, how you actually go and generate the demand for it so people buy it? Sure. So the first thing to keep in mind is that selling your pilot, you know, filling the room virtually or literally with paying students if there are two buckets of activity and one is like marketing and growing your business and one is market research and validation, filling your pilot falls into the market research bucket. 
Yeah. Right, you're still validating that people actually want to pay for this. So it's not a part of growing the business yet. It's just making sure you're on the right track. Yes. And my my strong bias again is you want to interact with people in a way that is live. I would suggest make a list of people that you know or are connected to that might be interested in the subject matter and get on a call with them, not to make an aggressive sale, which most people don't have the skills and, and most people don't appreciate being sold to that way anyway, um, but rather just to say, hey, I'm thinking about creating a pilot course about XYZ, whatever it is. Does that sound like something you might be interested in? Mm-hmm. And if you talk to a dozen people and a dozen people say no, well, that's really valuable feedback in advance of you having done a whole lot of work. But if you know half of them say, yeah, I think I might, then you can start sharing more information. You say, well, here's what I think I'm going to cover in this pilot. And you know, here's when I'm going to start it. And ultimately, the course might cost this many dollars. But right now, I'm thinking to charge only this much for the first 10 people so that they can give me feedback on how to make it better. Would you like one of these spots? Yes. And if what, you, if what you're focusing on, if the minimum viable outcome is something that they actually care about, then there's a good chance that they say yes. And you don't need a lot of preparation or, or setup in order to enroll them and take money and be held accountable to them to create something of value. And if you aren't on target and they say no, then you want to ask the question, okay, can you tell me why not? And you emphasize, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I just want to really understand, you know, I'm still deciding whether to do this or not. And if, if you don't want it, that might be a sign that I shouldn't do it. So I'd love mm-hmm. to know your thinking. And that's all it takes. And if you enroll your first batch of students and you show up, you create a great experience for them that delivers outcomes, you have the ultimate ace in the hole as you go to sell it and market it later through whatever channels. And that ace in the hole is you've got case studies of successful students who've actually seen results. And, you know, there's a line that I love from Gary Bensavenga. Gary Bensavenga, when he retired a few years ago, was the highest paid copywriter in the world. And what he said was, the most important driving factor behind any sale is proof. Yeah. And if you want to make more sales, dig deeper for more proof. And what I appreciate about this approach is that it puts you in a position to gather and create more proof that what you're doing actually works. And that trumps just about any other marketing competency that you might need or or eventually have to develop. So that makes a huge amount of a huge amount of sense. Um, yes, only, only one of our, uh, only this week, one of my, uh, my team were out with a potential client and they, they went straight through to the kind of, uh, um, who do you, who do you work with and testimonials? And they were really interested in that. And, uh, I guess you know, what they were doing was they were looking at proof, um, mm-hmm. looking at seeing who, who we'd, we'd done this before, before and, and, and does it work? And do they see themselves in that, in that group? We were just chatting about that this morning. So I completely agree with you there. Um, so uh, you've, you've done your pilot and um, you, you've um, got some people on it. You've got some uh, great case studies. And then, um, you know, is, is, there, is there some particular technology platforms and things you recommend for this today? or um, For the pilot or for the eventual course? Yeah, for the actual eventual product. So, you know, assuming we, we're going to do it, we've got some great feedback. People have enjoyed the pilot. Um, what happens then? Yeah, there are some great technology platforms. It depends on whether you want to, you know, this is a little technical, but do you want to write your own code? Do you want to use a WordPress plugin that you can modify and edit? Do you want a a hosted solution? So it's kind of software as a service. And depending on which way you want to go, there are really good options. So if you want to go the hosted solution, you can use a technology like Teachable or Thinkific or Rizuku. Those are all great ones. If you want to go with a WordPress plugin, you can um, work with something like Zippy Courses or WP Courseware or um, uh, Lifter LMS or Matrix LMS. There are a whole bunch of them. If you want to write your own code, then I, I would caution you that that's probably not a good idea. But if you really want to, <laughs> then you can. Um, but but the most important thing to keep in mind is that you know the best technology is kind of invisible. It's seamless. It's about getting the technology piece out of the way so that the the students can have the best experience of just getting to your content and having that, not just like consuming a content in a passive way, but interacting with it in a way that supports their learning the best and ideally gives you good feedback and, visib- and visibility as to how they're doing. Yes, yes. Uh, and 
if you you know you you create this create this product online, it's going going well. Uh, do you recommend that people you know stick with that one product and keep on marketing it, marketing it, or you know, or you know, got you've got two programs you mentioned. Is is there an amount that's sensible to kind of keep the focus in your business? You know, you could go and create fifty of these. Um, yeah, your- it, so we have several programs, and it, it's it's really a question of how many things can you do well. And, you know, I have a team of 25 and you can do more with 25 people than you can if you're one person alone. So the question I would always ask, assuming, you know, you're building a course empire, your whole business is around courses. What is currently the bottleneck in your business is that you don't have, you know, you need more students for your courses. You know, the challenge is getting students. And so that's where you want to invest your energies in marketing. Or you actually have a ton of people in your audience, but you know they've already bought your course and they have nothing else to buy. And so, you know, giving them another path to invest with you is is the best way to solve that bottleneck. Um, I, I think good advice for anyone in business, regardless of of whether it's courses or not, is you should take on as much stuff as you are confident you can execute on well. Yes, yes, and that's um, that's very true. That execution is essential, isn't it? I completely agree. So, so what does what does your business do then to uh, help people with this with this journey? How do you uh, how you've got twenty five people there? What what are they doing? Um, how do they help uh, customers are interested in developing these kind of educational products? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so the vehicle through which we help people do that is a program called the Course Builders Laboratory, and. It's, you know, there, these days, over the last couple of years, a lot of programs teaching how to build and sell courses online have popped up. Um, what makes our program different is that, unlike most, it's not an information experience. It's an education experience. So you're not on your own. Every student in my program gets a dedicated coach on my team. And that is what leads to the success rates. We've graduated more successful course builders than any program that I know. And it's all about how do you go from wherever you are, even if you're starting at zero, and design, launch, sell, fill, and create a great experience for your students with your course in short order and in a way that is going to set you up for success long term. And how, how long does that sort of kind of support last for? Is it, is that we, don't, we don't put a limit on it. As long as you're working on your course building goals, your coach will be there to support you. I, I see, and then, and then you've got other products which uh, you mentioned about copy, which is actually nobody supporting you. Yeah, so in in you know with the standard guest posting program, it's really about just writing blog posts, which is at the core just a much simpler endeavor. And so what we do with all of our courses is we we make sure that we're putting in place the support that the majority of our students will need to be successful. Um, more than that means that people are paying for things they don't need, and less than that means people are paying for things that won't deliver. And neither of those neither of those situations is acceptable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, this has been really uh, tremendous, actually, talking this through with you and um, and thinking about that, you know, you know, that sort of holistic nature of creating programs and piloting them and uh, and and testing them. Um, I wonder, do you have any kind of you know messages that you'd like to leave people with around uh, around? Yeah, you know, the key things to think about when it comes to teaching and growing rich. You know, what are your your top three or four tips that uh, you'd really like to share? Um, the the two tips that I'd focus on are, are first of all to come from a place of service. You know, it's not about you or what you're trying to create. It's about your students and what you want to help them to achieve and what they care about. So if you come from a place of service and you focus on imperfect action as opposed to perfect inaction, then you're going to find that you know what you produce may not be perfect from the get-go, but it will be valuable. It will be aligned with what people care about, and you'll have the opportunity to improve that alignment and keep making it better. So as long as you put your student first and just keep on taking action moving forward, you're going to see that you know the results are going to be there, and, and they're going to keep on getting better. Excellent. So, so, so you, you, um, from a place of service and put your student first. Is that the same point, or is that two points? Did you got a second, second? Point? I mean, it's, well, and the second point was to take imperfect action. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so keep, keep, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and, and learning. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and what's the, what's the sort of 
uh, timescale then from just we've only got about a minute now, but you know, what t- typically people when they're working with you, how long does it take them from start to finish? Uh, it depends a lot on how, how much this is their, their sole endeavor versus one of many things they're working on. Um, it's very typical for someone who makes this a core priority to go from zero to a launched course inside of a few months. Yeah. Um, some people take longer, of course. And of course, going from a single launched course to to an empire can take another year or two. And you know, since we're running out of time, for anyone who wants to learn more about how to do that, as much as I'd love to have you in our programs, the best way to start learning is just to pick up a copy of my book. And it will be available on Amazon, um, Teach and Grow Rich, you know, once we launch it at the end of the month. But if you want to get a copy now, you can go to teachandgrowrichbook.com. You can put your name on the notification list to get the digital copy for free when we release it. And you can pre-order a hard copy of the book with a whole bunch of bonuses. And the first 50 people who go there to teachandgrowrichbook.com and use the coupon code ELEVATION um, for this podcast will be able to get a physical copy of the book and all the bonuses for free. Excellent. Danny, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I, I think this is really beneficial. There'll be a number of people in my network I'll share this with. So I just want to say a you know, huge thank you to you. Uh, I hope over the next few months you, you start to get some really good night's sleep as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that. Chris, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And on next week's show, we have um, Mark Beresford-Smith. And Mark's going to be a fascinating guest. Mark is actually the head of uh, of economics at uh, HSBC. And he's going to be talking with us about uh, about Brexit and about economics and you know things that we nearly need to think about, uh, some of the biggest issues in um, that's happening on an economics basis. Um, Mark's also um, is... Um, uh, is visually impaired as well, and I'm just sort of fascinated how he's attained, you know, the level in business that he's done and some of the, the amazing work he's doing um, uh, with, you know, with that. So how's he's turned that into, you know, into um, you know an amazing career and uh, how he's you know uh, overcome any challenges that he faced with it. So it'll be a really interesting show um, next week. So do join us for that. And once again, a huge thank you to Danny Innie. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.